Real Kipper and Born. Show number eight. Yet show number one. Because we get to tee up Leaf Game Day. Finally, Habs, Leafs, Scotiabank Arena. So much to get into. We're also going to have P.J. Stock, former NHLer with the Bruins, Habs, Flyers, and Rangers. We all know him. We've all seen him on Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. He's in Montreal. He's going to give us the vibe out of Montreal and so much to get into with the Habs, including why I think this will be the last season for Mark Bergevin as general manager. Ooh, spicy. That, that, that's a little spicy for sure. We also have guys, Curtis Joseph coming up in the show, former Leaf standout star. And we'll talk about the pressures of playing in Toronto and what he expects out of Jack Campbell. And is this guy ready? We'll get Cujo to help us tee that up. Also, Justin, I know you're you're always curious about phone calls and inside information and all of that. We're going to talk about life without Shea Weber. And I will, for the, the only time, I will get into a little bit of the specifics of what happened roughly, what, 20 months ago when I put out a tweet that Shea Weber's career was in jeopardy and I got lambasted. <laughs> I got killed in social yeah. media. And you want to talk about feeling like a man on an island? Uh, I will get into that uh, with you, and, and that's the only time I ever will. But I, I tell you what, man, that was not a fun experience for me so we'll talk about that we'll talk about uh the Leafs we'll do a little over under with our our great producer Sam McKee Sammy what kind of questions can we expect out of that segment all right I'll, I'll just do a little tease what they call in the business a little tease playoff rounds one for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, I'm going to set the number at 0. 0.5. So either 0 or 1. So uh, set a little tease for that later. All right. <laughs> so before we get into the Leaf season is saved because we think Mitch Marner is playing tonight. Uh, two games on top last night, guys. Uh, I watched. I assume you guys did. Penguins absolutely throttle the lightning with uh, – did they score all six goals in an empty net? Is it, it sure <laughs> it felt like that it. way? And then, of course, Seattle made their debut with a, a uh, what looked like a a runaway for the Golden Knights. Ended up being a fairly close score, uh, with maybe a, a controversial goal uh, to decide it. Uh, overall, your thoughts of last night uh, in what you saw, both guys, not only on the ice but maybe off the ice, because. ESPN, yeah. big, big uh, deal with Gary Bettman in the league. Was there enough to show you guys that there's a difference between ESPN and, and NBC? Well, why don't we start there? Let, let's start with the actual ESPN coverage. I thought 
Uh, the camera angle was pretty cool. I tweeted it out there. I like the aerial view. See how plays are developing. Uh, and, and I got, speaking of getting cooked, my mentions, people were like, people did not like the aerial view. You know, this isn't football. It makes me dizzy. It gives me vertigo. You know, so I, I was on, speaking of on an island, I was there. You didn't like it either, eh? There's something to be said of that because it's it's depth perception and it changes on the fly. And I... I I felt it, and I don't. I don't think I suffer from vertigo, but I could feel, yeah. uh, the feel like I'm I'm on a bit of a roller coaster here, and I don't know. I mean, are you seeing guys? And I'll include you, Sammy. Are you seeing the play developed differently than than what conventional camera angles have shown us? Is that that much of a difference? Well, here's the thing for me: is that. If it is that much of a difference, and I think it is, they could save that for replays. You know, pull back, you know, after I see how the goal is scored, show me the replay of a guy, um, you know, of how a guy jumped off the bench and, you know, the D was drawn to him. Maybe that's the video coach, uh, you know, the experience I had that likes that stuff. But it maybe it's too much for uh, live action. Sammy, you, you liked it too, though, right? I liked it. And I think they really got lucky or, you know, it's on a delay. They know what's going to happen. I don't know, like the ahead of time. But they did it for the breakaway with Rodriguez and it looked incredible. And they also did it when they zoomed out and they had Brian Boyle catch that saucer pass. from. I'm not sure yeah. who sent it to him, but it was like you saw Boyle streaking in. You saw him wide open and you saw the perfect pass across the ice that landed on his stick and he fired a five-hole. Um, I thought – the, that aspect of it was very cool and you get a different perspective on the ice but then as soon as Kip said that it was giving him a headache and giving him vertigo, I was like, oh my god I kind of see that side of it too, so I think, you know, they went to it a lot they went to it a lot, they really did but I think once they kind of figure out their 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 footing they may go to it a little less and pick their spots a little better, but I, I liked it as, a, as an option to have in a broadcast. Sammy, if you love it so much, go to Scotiabank Arena tonight and and buy the last row in the Grays, and just <laughs> knock knock your socks off. You know what? Well, you know what bu- did bug me though? No, I do sit uh, up no there sh- for the least broadcasts. Yeah, fair enough. No, no shots on the score bug bothered me though. That uh, you know that's an integral part of being able to take the temperature of the game. I don't know if you noticed that, Kipper, but no shots on the score bug was another yeah, another knock for me. They'll work on that. Yeah, baby you, steps. You were complaining steps. already. They're just going to listen to our show and change it that quickly. Just based I, on I expect listening to you. Fees. Small sample size, but uh, enough out of the Kraken to say, hey, they're, they will be in games and they'll yeah. stay in the hunt. They'll win their share and maybe February, March, they're, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. I was actually pretty impressed, you know, for a team that went down 3 nothing. I thought they carried a, a good portion of the play, you know, hung in there in terms of creating shots and chances, uh, looking sexy as ever in those uh, fancy colors. It, I thought it was a pretty good debut. I know it didn't, didn't come out of the gates how they wanted to, but getting it back to level when you're down 3 nothing in Vegas, I think that's reflective of a team that's got a little, a, a little jump in their step. And I also don't think one-game samples are worth nothing. I think we, we learned a little bit about them last night. The only concern there is Giordano. Are they really going to ask this guy to play 24 minutes every game and be that 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 rock? I, I, that, to me, is yeah. a huge red flag. Yeah, they put a lot on the backs of this guy, and if it does look like he's... Uh, 
you know, not quite the March Giordano who won the Norris Trophy. Um, the, things look a lot thinner when you suddenly your, your top guy might be more of a second pairing defenseman. Uh, Vegas, though, well, do you think the uh, the winner is kicked in? Absolutely good goal. Absolutely good goal. And was it kicked in? Was it uh, was it enough to do it on purpose? Yeah, but they've made it clear they they want they want a a pendulum rotation for a kicking goal, and that was not this. And we've been starving over the years for goals, guys. Starving. Don't give them back. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. We need goals to count. I, I mean, the guy clearly kicks the puck into the net. I understand it's an outside, you know, skate kick, but it's not, you're right, it's not that full kicking motion, swing back, bring your blade up and endanger someone. So, unfortunate way for it to end for Seattle. Um, but, but speaking of unfortunate ways for it to end, the pre-show was the other thing. My one other takeaway from the game, that's the last I got on Seattle-Vegas, but the pre-show was pretty awesome, the way Vegas does that. They had the, the night out there burying the Kraken to start the season. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty cool show. I take it you guys have not been there live yet for a game. No. No, do you get there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It was great. Stanley Cup final covered Ooh. on Hockey Night in Canada. I was l- loving that. Uh, also wow. sat on a on a craps table for about 50 minutes and ran that table pretty good too. So 50. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good, it was a good trip. Yeah. It was a good I trip. <laughs> All right. Uh, are, are we, are we off the drama of, of Mitch Marner? Did that thing kind of play out like a, an episode of uh, young and the restless uh, in the last 24 hours? I've never seen it. Uh, like, come on guys. I mean, are we still talking about him being a game time decision? Are you are you joking right now? Is that is that even a story right now? You're you're not buying it at all. You just think he's ready to go. A hundred percent. Did he not tweet last night, Sammy? Yeah, he did a big hype video being like game one tomorrow or something. I forget what the actual yeah. tweet was, but it was like a minute long hype video with some Drake lyrics that so, Dorney was reading. You kidding me? You guys think too, he but... made that video and he wasn't going to post it? They went through all that effort. He was posting that if he had a broken <laughs> so, hip. So, so let me get that straight. He, he posts it. He gets everybody in this amazing, energetic mood. And then he comes out and he doesn't play. Come on. Oh, chaser. Come on. Chasing clout. When he, he uh... said, when he said uh, sent the send, send button... That yeah. that closed it off. Now I'm not saying that there's there wasn't some true precautionary measures. There's no question that he needed to go through something of a of a look under the hood yeah. checkup with the doctors and maybe that that's all there. That's all true to its uh, to true to its form. I, I I don't get any sense that that was not legit, but. This guy's ready to play game one. You saw all or nothing. The coaching staff still doesn't know if this guy's ready to play. Paul, the therapist, is going to come in at yes, 4.52 <laughs> and say, hey, here's who's uh, available to you tonight. They have no idea if Mitchie's available or not. I, I well, do joke, though. I think he's going to play. He did uh, He did take an optional skate, uh, which, Before again. the team, though. Ooh. Right? That's you a good know, sign. Testing, testing it. So, Sammy, did we get some good sound bites this morning? I, I think Jake Muzzin had an interesting one. We talked about it right here how it, it shows belief in us, in the group. And, um, you know, 
could have made changes. He, you know, could have made a lot of people happy by trading someone or doing something. But he believes in this group, and it's on us to go and and uh, and, sh and show him that we're we're who we who he thinks we are. Okay. Who he thinks we are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not who thinks. we are. Not who we are. <laughs> who we really are. Didn't yeah. say that. Who he thinks they are. And it, it, that was abundantly clear, JB, in the uh, in the documentary, that uh, he, he he's going to go down with the ship with these yeah. guys. And if there's going to be changes, they're going to have to come from a new general manager because this guy will not bail on his core guys and predominantly the the 40 million plus he's yeah. gotten the four forwards you know after after a couple of wins they got to get t-shirts made up we are who Kyle thinks we are you know it's <laughs> like it'll be a motivational internal slogan uh, i do think that what dubis is doing is basically taking the old coin flip thing that plays out in slow motion in the NHL and he's just saying he thinks they they've been unlucky on the coin flips he thinks they he's built a team that can win those series 50-50 or better and they've got unlucky in the coin flips right or wrong and I know a lot of people listening are going wrong uh right or wrong he's going to flip another coin here so I I don't hate the theory behind it I've been around almost 40 years of professional hockey and I cannot tell you that I've ever seen a general manager so abundantly positive in his group, even when they have let him down. I've, right. I've never seen it before. The doubling down, the tripling down, he's, he is all in on these guys. And he, he may get the last laugh here. But I am telling you, I've never seen it before. And I don't know how many more that are even close to that because some of these guys, these general managers, man, they, they there's an old saying, don't, don't fall in love with your players. No. Hey, Kippy, how many of your buddies who've had a bad girlfriend and keep going back to her after she treats them wrong over and over, how many of them work out in the end? You know, usually when when someone treats someone else wrong, it ends bad over and over and over. If that feels like Kyle Dubas, he just keeps going back to this team that keeps treating him wrong. I hope I hope they find true love here, but it feels it feels unlikely that it's going to go the fairy tale way. I've never been in a relationship like that, uh, JB. You have something no, to tell us? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I have experience watching other people. <laughs> Nothing with okay. my own fabulous wife, of course. <laughs> Goodness me, Kippy. Sammy. Uh, is is this going to pay off? Wow, what a question on opening night! But yeah, that's a got, big one. Opening night, you get the. I what's I met, like. I'm hoping it does because boy, oh, oh boy, if this if this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs doesn't work out, when is it going to work out? You know, I've it sat through a lot of bad Leafs teams in my lifetime and watched a lot of crappy hockey, and this is not one of them. But the playoff stuff is terrible. If this doesn't work out. What happens? That's the big question, one we'll be talking about all year. But I, you know what? I kind of like that he has the faith, but I don't like that he has the faith. It's kind of a conflicting thing in my brain. I don't know which way you guys <laughs> go on it, but, you know, I'm, it's old school and new school at the same time. Well, there has to be a sense from from that core group that uh, we got to make Kyle look good here. I, I, I got to right. think at some point that conversation is – we all like it here. We're getting paid big money. It's because of this guy. 
it's because of his his belief in us. So, like, it has to come into the equation in, uh, equation that we're, we're also doing this for our general manager. And I can assure you, in in all of my career, that never came up in a conversation <laughs> with me and my teammates. Like, let's do this for our general manager. <laughs> I, I I assure you. Yeah. No, you're right. Though I I appreciate the the way Muzzin framed that that you know they recognize the belief um you know maybe other other GMs haven't shown it so they want to do it for him I think it's cool it's cool that he seems included in in that core they're all kind of in it together I like the way he's tethered himself to it um you know but they have made changes they have made some changes and that was something that Morgan Riley mentioned this morning it's not like they've done nothing uh let's listen to Riley what he had to say on that We got the uh, got the Riley quote there. Sorry to throw you a curveball there, Derek. If we can. Okay, there we're on the phone lines with our next guest. So we'll, uh, just one second on the you, Riley. You you got a horrible run now for throwing clips, man, in our show. <laughs> we we need like a percentage. I'm I'm way below five hundred percent. Way below. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's do the clip now, Derek. If you have it, let's try the fact again. That you guys as a nucleus are still together this year. Is that a part of your motivation to? Continue something that you build. We've got a lot of change too. We got lots of new guys. That. But in the nucleus, it's still the same group. I mean, you. And oh, it's. I mean, I mean, hockey's the ultimate team sport. You know, it's not about any small group of players. You know, we got lots of new guys. We got a new mentality. It, you know, kind of feels like to me. So um, I think it's a great opportunity for us to just to go out there and play free, have confidence, prove some people wrong, do our thing. Um, but overall, there's been lots of change. So I think it's you know extremely exciting in that sense. Is that JB Morgan Riley saying, if you think it's on the big boys and look around because we're going to need bunting and we're going to need uh, Nick Ritchie and we're going to need camp or else yep. this thing isn't a go. Well, there's a lot of like look at the way the Stanley Cup playoffs ends. You know, Ross Colton's getting a big goal, Matthew Joseph's getting a big goal. I I get him trying to frame it that this isn't exactly the identical team running it back another time. Uh, but we can get more into that later on the show. I believe we have a guest. We do, um, and I want to ask this guest. Uh, we just spoke moments ago about Kyle Dubas and 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 the love fest he has for his players, and then it just dawned on me that I watched another general manager during the playoffs hug and kiss every player when he came off the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm like, PJ Stock, when was the last time a, a GM hugged and kissed you seconds after you came off the ice? Uh, the only time I got uh, kissed by a GM was when the Canadians traded me. And they said, <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Uh, you know, I, funny you brought that up. I remember watching it last year, and um, I could, I, I could understand the first round when the it was down three one to the Leafs. and they found a way to come back. Because I mean, at round game five, everyone remembers the entire organization was going to be broken down. Like, Bergevin was gone. Price was gone. This isn't good. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, they win. They go on this crazy tear. But I, I, they come back, beat the Leafs, and I can understand 
the way the emotions took over everybody coming back and beating the Leafs. I give them that. But after every every series down on the bench, hugging and like, and I I, I looked at that moment and sorry Kipper and and Barney, I'm kind of jumping ahead to this to what just when they came on talked about Kerry, which we'll talk about that in a second. But just it's for my point. It's that when you talk about the highs um, of, of of a year and the lows of the year. The leaders always have to stay even keel. And last year, I got game seven was an emotional high, and I'll give that the benefit of the doubt. I get that. But every moment after that, you got to stay, man, we're professional. we got to stay the course. And when Carey Price just recently stepped down, him crying at the podium, that's a low. He had to find a way to be – he can do that in closed doors, just not out in front of everyone. So it's been a real interesting uh, couple of months when you really want to dissect the emotions and the appearance of the general manager of the Montreal Canes. So, you know, a lot of people say, you know, good on him. He cares about his team. And at the other time, other people are saying, man, is he okay right now? Because this is unprecedented. We're going to tee up the game tonight, uh, but let's stay with Mark Bergevin because I I opened up the show and I honestly believe this is going to be his last season. Uh, with the Montreal Canadiens as as a general manager. And I I think it just speaks to the emotions that he has had and shown and the ones that we hear about, you know, behind maybe uh, closed doors within an inner circle that he is is, uh, challenging himself to find out whether or not I think he really wants to continue to be a, Maybe under the spotlight, the pressure, I don't know. But we we did hear rumblings that he he might have thought about even shutting it down last year. How much of that is truth? How much of you had heard that? How close was he to to maybe shutting it down even last season, PJ? So it's small it's small city here in Montreal, and I'm not one to go over the rumor mill whatsoever. But there's been grumblings for about a year and a half. And I think again, bringing up that game where he was emotionally, um, I think, well, he celebrated the, the Leafs' comeback. I think up until that moment, if you go back, you know, before the pandemic, they hadn't been in the playoffs three of the last four years, and their American Hockey League team hadn't been in the playoffs six the last seven years. Drafting has been kind of questionable, um, and everything was tough on him then. Pandemic comes. They allow 24 teams into the playoffs. Well, Canadians come in into that playoff, and they they get by Pittsburgh. I mean, they they went around, and it's and now maybe it's a stepping stone. So everything kind of gets revitalized, but everyone's kind of feeling a little bit better. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the next year is another only Canadian division. Um, the way they they got in, they got in good on them. Uh, but I think the 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 way this season played out, you know, Vancouver was pretty much done all year. Calgary was was tough because of their situation. They fire a coach. And then there's um, Ottawa that's given rid of anyone. Like the Canadians had a playoff, but they almost lost it. It was, it was emotionally draining watching the games uh, as a fan. You can only imagine being the general manager. Anyways, they sneak in. And then, then last year's last year, up until game five of last year in the playoffs against the Leafs, it was rumored that he was stepping down himself. It's just, it's a lot. And you can understand it. The hardest days, it's the same thing as Toronto. You guys just have a bigger city. And Kipper, you know this from playing in some big cities. It's your days off. 
Like, Bergevin can go to the rink. Carey Price can go to the rink. Gallagher can go to the rink, and it's their, they're fine. But once they leave the rink and it's their day off and they have to go get groceries or go get gas, there's no time off in these cities. And especially when you're winning, it's one thing. When you're struggling, people can be hard. And they can say things, you know, always, what's the power play? you got to be better. And, and, and it's a small city, and there's really no day off. And I think that wears on you. I, I really do. I think it wears on you. And I think it's worn on Bergeret um, for, for quite some time. So where is he at, at the end of this year? I think if he was going to be the general manager next year, he would already have a job. He would already be signed to a contract. There's been all kinds of rumors about him going to work with buddies and where it's a little less in the States somewhere um, where you're not under, you know, you can go to the mall the next day. If you lose, you lose, but it's not French radio, English radio papers, everyone, you know, saying why you suck at your job. So it's, I can understand him leaving. And I think if he, if he was here next year, uh, he would be under contract. Are you going to mention LA or am I? I will, because I don't mind. It. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of grumblings and rumors around. It's been for a little bit, but that's kind of where he's, you know, he's got great. He's the one thing about Bergeret. I, I got to give him this. I won't say who, but when he first started the job, uh, I, I, I reached out to a buddy and said, Hey, give me the benefit of the doubt. What's the word on this guy? You know, I, anyway, I, there's one thing about talking about the person, which I don't like to ever do. I think we should only talk about the job that they've done. But I like to get a better read on the person just to understand the way they think and sometimes the way they react. Um, and the person that I spoke to said nothing but amazing things about Mark Bergman. So he's that team guy. He was that locker room guy. He was everything. I think once he started off with Canadians, I think it kind of, I think he wanted to remove himself from that and kind of be the professional GM. Uh, and I just think it's it's hard. He's he might not be that guy. He's still that friendly guy and wants to be in those environments. It's hard to be in that environment and smile when you've been losing for a decade almost in this city, and and there's no days off. So I, I think his next step is going to a place where he's not scrutinized on days off, and he's back in that locker room feeling with friends. I'm not saying he doesn't have that here. I'm just saying he might have the friendship here. It's just there's no day there's no days off. So there's been grumblings and rumors about Pittsburgh being one and the other one being L.A., where he's got a lot of friends in the organization there. So, again, uh, it's and I don't know if it's him not signing or signing an extension, but I got a feeling if he wanted to stay after the playoffs they just had uh, and the relationship that he has with Jeff Molson, there's a probability that he would have something or they, something to be discussed because there's a lot of big contracts coming up. Uh, they just took care of one with Nick Suzuki. But if you if this is your guy, not for the future, then you got to start thinking of somebody else and you let him make all these deals. And the other thing is, if he is the guy for the future, why not ink him now? Yeah, it's not often you see a GM just like do a Zach Hyman and play out a season and then move on. It's that's not usually how we see these things go. You know, you mentioned that you don't want to see you don't don't love talking about the guy so much as the job they did. How? How do you look at this Canadians team right now and feel about the job he's done? How is it received in the city of Montreal? I know, obviously, the team just had some success. and There's probably a lot more believers than there was uh, earlier in that series versus the Leafs. But where has he left this Montreal Canadiens franchise, and how is that? How is the job he's done perceived by, by people in Montreal? 
I'm sensitive right now after just seeing him talk about the Carey Price situation. He looked like a tired person. He looked like a tired person that had an off-season in a couple years that have, you know, um, put some wear and tear on his body. You know, he's a guy that's happy, fashionable, good shape, smiling, making jokes. Uh, the last press conference that I saw him speak at, he looked like none of that. When I look at this team and I look at his his nine years here, um, you know, take away the pandemic, they were 24th in the league before they came in. Last year they played in a division where, as I mentioned, there were seven teams. Eliminate Vancouver because they had COVID all year. Ottawa had just got rid of everyone. So now we're down to five. Calgary was, no one expected Calgary to be in the situation Calgary was. But they still almost caught the Canadians. After game five of the year last, of, of the playoffs last year, everyone, everyone was gone. There were so many reasons why this team was not good. They went on a six to eight week run where I don't know if it camouflages all the warts that this, I don't want to say organization has, but um, holes in the organization. Uh, listen, I, I, I joke around about being uh, an ex-Bruin living in Montreal. Uh, and that when I do radio and TV, I, I love to see the Canadians struggle during the season just because everyone calls in. And uh, like you guys, if the Leafs are winning every day, it's not fun to do this job. You want to hear, you want to have people calling in every day, trade Matthews, fix it, you know, and it's fun. Uh, but I always say that, but then I want them to win the Stanley Cup. Like last year was kind of one of those years. Uh, but I look at this team. After what they just went through and where they are, the amount of holes that this organization has right now, uh, you know, from the contract situations in Nets um, to the lack of depth uh, on on the back end to the, the center ice position up front. Like every, if you go through their entire lineup, there's not many players that have been drafted and developed in this organization. If I take away the six, the seven, take away the last two years with the pandemic and the situation, remember they were 24th when they made it into the playoffs. Last year they were 18th uh, in, in, a, in a weird year, but they wouldn't have made the playoffs if it was a regular season and they were in it. But again, we can't say that because that's a big what if. You know, there's a, a lot of question marks, um, and it all comes down to, and unfortunately, he's the head of this. The depth and the development of this organization has not been there in a decade. Whether it's drafting, whether it's even drafting second, third, fourth round picks and developing them, the first round picks have really struggled. Um, in the last year, why it looks better is because Cole Caulfield stepped in and, and, and had a great playoffs, and Romanov came over. But besides that, everywhere up and down the lineup, they've had to go sign players from other teams and overpay them. And that's why they're in the salary cap crunch that they're in right now. Uh, so where is this team? You know, again, if I'm doing radio, I hope they struggle. I'm not, though, right now. I'm, I'm with you guys. and I, I hope they do well. But you have Jonathan Dwayne step aside for, for a break. You have Kerry Price step aside from a break. They have Weber, who's, who's not going to be there. They, they, they let uh, Dano go, who's, you know, advanced stats. More, JB can break this down better than anyone can. But he was a, a great offensive pusher, even though he just can't score. But that line with Tatar and Gallagher, um, drove a lot of offense. They didn't really, you know, score, but still the way advanced stacks works, that was a good line. Uh, he's gone. Tatar is gone. Gallagher's making 6.5 on the third line. Uh, their back end, they have uh, Kulak in the top. Petrie's going to play about 900 minutes a night. 
there's a lot of holes in this organization. And if I, if I have to be honest, where I see him after nine years, I don't know why he'd get the extension. So just, just on that, PJ, because uh, in my inner circle, there's a, there's a few theories. And one of them is, uh, to your point, if Bergevin's going to consider remaining in this fishbowl that has just caused all sorts of havoc in his life, he's going to want long-term and a boatload full of money. And right now, there's a sense that Jeff Molson isn't ready to make that financial commitment. Could this really come down to Jeff Molson saying, I'm not, I'm not giving you what you think you're worth? Well, what is he worth? I just said, I mean, if you take away, and again, you're, listen, they got Chris down the cup finals. So Chris, I, I, Chris Drury comes in, never done it before. And he's at what people believe is four and a half, five million bucks a year. What? I mean, I got it. I got to think Bergevin saying Stanley Cup final. Come on. Do you nice want me to go ballpark. over? Do you want me to go over the summer that they just had? Do you want me to go Let's over the it. fact Let's that they drafted, they drafted a, a Mayu that the the owner has to come out and apologize for after? Carey Price uh, kind of pulls himself out, uh, saying that he's done for the year. Then they go and leave him unprotected, um, and and then. He's injured, and then everyone's texting, and then I won't go through. Like his, it's one of the things. In this, well, never mind. I won't say it. His wife goes to Instagram a lot sometimes, and it confuses everyone and sends out these mixed messages. And and one thing that comes out is that don't worry, you'll all know what's happening tomorrow. And that was one of the things, and and it gets just plays out not in the favor of Carey Price or the Canadians because they leave him unprotected, and then they don't pick him up. Then the Weber injury. And then he's now we find out he's possibly done, maybe done for the year. And then you bring up, they don't sign Philip Dano. They don't even speak to him all summer that comes out. They don't even offer anything all summer. They spoke at the beginning of last year, then they don't speak the rest of the year. The Kokanyemi situation and the way that played out. Gallagher comes in injured. Now the injuries that are all mounting up. Uh, Price now is completely out because of, uh, I'm not going to pick anything what it is. I'm just saying Price is taking time away himself. Edmondson is out. Um, there, It's been a summer of I don't know how to really break it down and who to blame on any but they, of it. But, but they still beat the Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't turn it on your Leafs yet. That's that's the easy one. I, I just – and I think what we do is we over-dissect the team's – that you guys, you guys will over dissect your lease. I'll over dissect my Canadians all the time. Um, yeah. Your lease is again. It's really frustrating as Kipper. You won, and you know that. And and why I think Tampa found a way to win. How Washington found a way to win. Um, you don't win with just the talent. And until that talent learns to know, learns to play like Sidney Crosby and Patrice Bergeron, Bergeron and Jonathan Taves, you're not gonna win. You're going to score a lot of goals during the season when the rules are one way and when the games are easy. And w- but when you start getting smacked in the face, how do you react? And every year, um, every year, you know, this Leafs core, we keep thinking they're going to get better. But until I see one of them 
get smacked in the face and smack someone back, I don't think this team's going to go anywhere. If they're fun to watch, they can score a ton of goals, you know. And last year they thought they went out and got the right guys to help them. Unless you find those Zach Hyman's on every line that are going to do the grind work, you know, Tampa Bay, their third line, unfortunately it's all gone, but what they did, you know, you can see those Matthews, Marners, Nylanders have to learn to play like a Sidney Crosby in the playoffs, like a Patrice Bergeron in the playoffs, like a Jonathan Taze in the playoffs. You're going to get your goals, but you got to learn to be, you got to learn to take everything, put it aside, have that, that, F you in your game, sorry, but that jam in your game that they, you know, I don't know how many years we're into it now, but I haven't seen it. And we're all looking at the talent saying they should be great. But are you guys going to sit there and tell me they've learned this summer what they didn't learn the summer before or the summer before or the summer before? That's my problem uh, with the Leafs. Yeah, I don't know. Austin Matthews is an ESPN saying he's uh, annoyed with <laughs> all the fans here, so it doesn't sound like he's turned that attend- that energy inward. We'll see how that goes. But still, the the one thing I, I do uh, I do think of when I look at this Montreal Canadiens team, you're talking about playing like a Taves, playing like a Bergeron. Uh, you're, the, the Canadians just signed Nick Suzuki to a long deal. Yeah. I'm looking at the center depth of this team. It's not awesome, but I feel like Suzuki... Uh, has the chance to to be great what uh, what is he is he is he one of those guys is he in that echelon or is this a guy that's a 2c and because there's nothing else there they gave him the money what, what what's nick suzuki going to be here i think it's a great uh move I, I mentioned all the you know the kind of tough moments this organization's had throughout the summer i think it's a kid that as of right now has been the top scorer top playmaker um he is their I don't want to say he'd be. I, if he was the number two on the team, it'd be it'd be beautiful. You know, unfortunately, he's the number one. He's a little bit going to be like Sakakoivu, who they are awesome. They're going to be great, but are they ready to go night against you know McKinnon against Crosby, uh, you know against McDavid against Matthews? These are big bodies that can play hard and they're fast. And you know, he's still really young. He has the talent. He has a great attitude. He's a player that is going to be still early, but I think he's going to have the two sides of his game. He's not going to be a, a more offensive guy, and he's not going to be the, the, the great defensive player. But I think there's a world right in between, and that's where I say he's, he'd be an unbelievable too. Uh, I think it's, right. again, he's your top point getter right now. Top centers on both teams, you know, I think he fits in because you might be buying a couple years on the back end. Uh, right now at seven, the problem is with, with the Canadians, you signed all these wingers to so much money. Like think of the Canadians on their fourth line. When, if it was, if everyone was healthy, their right winger on the fourth line is going to be making $3.4 million. Their left winger on the third line is making $2.3 million. If I went to the third line, they're like, when, if everyone's healthy, Jonathan Dwayne would is making 5.5, um, and Gallagher's making 6.5. You know, you go to your second line. Now I can go, you know, Toffoli's making 4.2. You know, you know hey, do, you, do, you think, do you think that uh, Suzuki is lined up to maybe ultimately be your perfect number two centerman exactly. on a Stanley Cup team and you still have room for a Jack Eichel? 
Good question. Yes, I don't know if Jack Eichel is the guy. Um, there's nothing, again, I'm not. They're hard to find. They are. But, I mean, you have four of them in, in, in Toronto right now, and how's that helping your team get past the playoffs? You know, Jack's an amazing offensive, and Jack hasn't convinced me yet either. There's been, and it's not, again, I'm in Montreal. I'm not in Buffalo. But there's been nothing to convince me that I would invest anything in, in yeah, he had a couple of good years in, a, in an area where they did nothing. Like, yeah, he's a big, tall, you know, right-handed shot center. I could put up points. That team has been a disaster. Okay, for the record, you keep saying your team, your team. If they were my <laughs> team, PJ, I would have sold them by now. You'd <laughs> be rich, eh? Think of all the money. Think of all the money. I'm just going to sell this team right now. Let's go buy an island. Oh, Let's go buy an island. It is your team. This is what we have to because we're in this city and you're in that city. I'm not, so, uh, you know, you're the guy. You, you two are the guys. I'm going to pick on you when they don't do well. And when my Canadians struggle, I'm going to get in trouble from you guys. I got it. Okay. So if 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 there's a bit of a standoff between Bergevin right now and and Jeff Molson, what what does the start mean to to this situation and gaining leverage if if he does want a boatload of money? Like what are the chances of this team okay, well, getting off this? to a great start? They got a soft schedule to start, actually, really soft. They, a soft schedule? Here's a soft schedule. They're missing their number one goalie, and their number two goalie, Jake Allen, it just did not have the best camp. And he played uh, geez, was 29 games last year. Sorry, that's not in front of me right now. But I think was, he played 29, and he's great at that number. Is he going to be great running at the 80% clip? They rested him in training camp because they're starting off with three games and four nights, which means he's playing all of them. And it was five in the first nine. So – yeah, you get a little bit of a luxury. Maybe tonight Matthews isn't playing, and maybe not Marner. That helps a little. No Weber. No Price. Something that a lot of people are leaving out of this. No Joel Edmondson. I don't, I don't think he gets enough love because he completes the defensive core and the penalty kill in the last minute of games. He's not there either. Their defense is going to look a lot different tonight. Who's going to take the big face-off for the Montreal Canadiens? They don't have Dano anymore. And say what you want about Cook, Cook and Yemi. I don't know. Dvorak's been good in camp but he's not like a guy you notice all the time. So, again, it's training camp, and I don't put much into it, but it starts tonight. And I, they had their, their line of Anderson and Jonathan DeWayne had a few great moments, but it's real time tonight. Well, let's see how everyone plays against real pros. My question about Bergevin is, and I hate talking about people's jobs, and, and but... The Canadians love, and I hope they get past it this year, because for the first time in team history, they had no francophones in the lineup last year during the playoffs. Uh, Jonathan DeWayne um, pulled out, obviously, and Dano was injured. And the media made a big kind of big, big noise out of it. But if you're going down to you have no francophones in your lineup, I'm just, this is nothing what I'm saying. I'm just saying, why do they need a francophone coach and general manager? It's we, you always put yourself in this limited pool. The, they, the organization has been telling people that it's more important to how you speak to the media and the fans than how you coach the team. The team has been struggling for decades, 
and yet they're not always looking for the best person. So in this situation, if it's if I'm Jeff Molson and I'm looking at the future of Bergevin, the question is, okay, if it's not Mark, who's the other option? Who's oh, we need another he's... show for that one. No, but I'm just saying that because <laughs> is it is it? I don't know many francophone general managers that are floating around. You know who wants it? There's a lot of them that want it. Ah, I want it too. Trick. Yeah, of course. Buddy. Yeah, I know. Patty, baby. Patty wants that. Patty wants. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen. We got to get you. We we got to get you out of here, man. Can we I got go Curtis now? Joseph. Yeah, I've been trying to go for <laughs> yeah, 20 years. Sorry, minutes. man. Hey, we're we're, we're in the front line, guys. Now, Curtis Joseph is coming up next, man. We got to let you go. Yeah, I scored on Cujo. I scored on Cujo. Joe was bringing up. Are you gonna? Are you gonna come just, back? And... Just tell Cujo that. I, you won't remember my name, but I scored twenty percent of my goals on him. That's the only thing. <laughs> uh, that's so, so I got twenty percent. He was well. Awesome. I like the way he did the quick math there. That was awesome. Borny, uh, <laughs> was he looking at his hands right there, or did you take out a calculator? I'll be honest. L- listen, PJ, I didn't think it was four of twenty. I-, I had a pretty good idea where we were headed there too. PJ <laughs> <laughs> right, Stock, always a pleasure, pal. Ciao, boys. Be good. Enjoy. Thanks, Enjoy buddy. the game tonight.